0: Welcome to Life in the Music Business, a masterclass with Professor Pooch and your host, Bass Face.
1: Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Life in the Music Business with Professor Pooch. Uh, today, we are in two different locations. I'm actually out in New York working and Pooch is out in Philadelphia. So uh, start off. Pooch, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing fine. And by the way, people, that's not a picture behind base face. <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually New York City background you're seeing right now,
1: you know. Yep. Yep. I could even probably pick up my, my uh camera for you guys to check it out, but it's intense. Yep.
0: <laughs> and uh, cool. tell them why you're
1: there. So I'm out here because I work in a studio out here. I'm not gonna mention any names just for like privacy reasons, but I work in a, a um, fairly well-known studio out here in uh, in Manhattan, and I've been working here for about a year. So I've, I've been here working like this week, like in the past couple of weeks, like almost every day. So it's been hard for me to be in Philly at my studio. So me and Poots were able to make this work through Zoom, luckily, and um, here we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, also another funny thing. We're actually shooting this in the daytime.
1: <laughs> Very true. We
0: usually shoot at midnight, you know, which is sounds funny to people. But I'm the night owl, so uh, and uh, basically, base face gets a chance to finish his studio sessions, and we shoot at midnight or later. We've <clears throat> excuse me, I think we've shot a couple at one thirty or two a.m. or yep. something like that. But that's Well, 2 a.m. is just starting my evening. And uh, I work through the night. I'm one of those weird people that work through the night. Uh, I go by Professor Pooch standard time, which is 3 to 6 p.m. Afternoon is my morning. 6 to 12 is my afternoon and 12 to whenever. God, I've been getting to sleep 7, 8, 9 a.m. in the morning. It's been really crazy because it's my best working time.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it you really do function a differently in um uh, during those times like for me especially like I feel like I'm more creative uh at those points in the night because it's just like nobody's around. I'm just hanging out by myself and we're just doing what we got to do until I basically fall asleep.
0: Yeah, I I start picking up people's vibes in the middle of the night so it it gets clearer to me. I'm one of those people that can pick up if there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I'm in Philadelphia and I can always tell if the Eagles win or lose, the (laughs) the vibe in the air kind of a thing. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like Twilight where you are, you know, looking at the backgrounds and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, I got this view. I'm actually currently staying in a hotel, but uh, that was just by choice it was just the easiest thing for me to do at the moment um and yeah i mean they have pretty nice views so i've been enjoying it as much as i can and I, as you know i'm probably going to be going to work in a little while so we um that's that's what we
0: got going on yeah uh well there's a bunch of little subjects i'd like to cover today awesome. and uh, that are in the news actually There's a thing called, and I'll give you the legal term, and then I'll go into it in English. It's called force majeure. Force majeure, sometimes you'll hear it as acts of God. Now, this fits the pandemic. And what's happening is, oh boy, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. And there's lawsuits right now because the insurance companies don't want to pay the record companies for losing, you know, uh, losing so much money and things like that because of the force majeure, the acts of God, The, the pandemic to them is acts of God. And there's a big fight going on all about this right now. And uh, you'll see it, by the way, in every record company contract. It'll be in a lot of uh, management-type contracts. Uh, It's just one of those things, uh, you know. And uh, there's a lot of insurance companies don't want to pay because this is an act of God, you know. Oh, and by the way, the way it hits artists and stuff like that, in the Force Majeure contract, a contract in, within the contract of especially a record company they say well because of and force majeure could also be like fires anything that disrupts normal life kind of a thing that they can extend your contract it's like those months don't exist what you always must do in a contract is state well it can't go over six months or i could be released if i wish to be It's just one of those things, you know, and uh, you'll see it in every uh, uh, major label contract. I've seen them in all of them. Uh, And uh, it's just one of those things in life, you know. And uh, so the pandemic has hit people in a lot of weird different ways.
1: That's interesting. I mean, that's something that's like beyond everybody's control. Like when the the maker comes knocking, I mean, (laughs) you don't have a choice. You know what I mean? So it's uh it's interesting that they have that in the contract where they can extend it because typically i mean if somebody passes away i mean they shouldn't be able to still be in contract or whatever the the circumstances may be i mean it's it just it's it's insane that that that's even a a thing
0: yeah well you know somebody came up with it what through the years you know it's a way to extend somebody's contract and say well we had a fire or this happened or that happened Just make sure, and usually it does state, well, after six months, the time's got to start again. And if you can't, you can get out of the contract. Just make sure that it's limited to certain amount of months. You know, they might have had all kinds of problems that they might want to put under this clause, you know, like fires or this or that. You know, whatever they come up with, you know, they got imaginations too.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, they, they're a business at the end of the day, so they try to make sure that they can cover themselves at all points throughout the process as any business. I mean, it's risk management and being able to put everything, you know, align all your ducks in a row to be able to make those decisions. But I still feel that there's still like I—I I, the, the new trend that I feel it's actually happening is like, like along with the independent mindset and, and going in and doing your things yourself and doing that type of stuff it's also like being able to get out of contracts is also going to be like a new trend of like the escape clause that we talked about in one of our episodes that you guys should go back and listen to
0: yeah well yeah the escape clause is what prevents you know that from happening that you know real quick uh, escape clause has three steps you got to reach a specific goal you know the you know because the contract's always one-sided you know it says we well, You, the artist, has to do, or you know, you, whoever has to do, never says what they have to do. So you give them the three steps are, well, you you know, a certain specific make sure it's specific goal must be uh, reached within a specific period of time, or you're out of the contract. And just make sure all rights revert back to you, like those songs that they have of yours, and things like that that normally will be, you know. That happened during the term of the contract, you know, when you're under contract and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think the other important thing for people to remind themselves is that the the material and all the music and stuff that they make, when you're dealing with a label, it's considered a product. So just because you're a, a person that makes music and you love making music. it's no less than having a barcode when it comes to dealing with a label and putting it on a shelf and selling it at like a, your local grocery store. It's the same idea. And that's how they keep track of all the things to be able to pay you as well. One of the ways at least. Yeah.
0: And by the way, people, you know, you, it might sound funny to artists, but you are a product and you yourself are a product. So keep that in mind, you know, it's not to knock you down, but you know, you're an artist, you're, you're a product. To them. Another uh, thing that's come up lately, and boy, this is God, this has been fought forever, and talk about the changing times, but the Department of Justice in the United States doesn't think so. Back in, God, I forget, it was the late 30s or the 1930s or 1940s, they had this agreement, and it had to do with ASCAP and BMI. And what it had to do, they're the uh, performing rights organizations uh, that pay the songwriter and the uh, publisher. And what they stopped them from doing is being able to charge, since they were like a monopoly or something, and companies wanted to use their music and all those kinds of stuff, uh, they would stop them from uh, charging all kinds of insane costs for the use of the songs, mm. and I think that's a motorcycle out there right now. Uh, yeah, that's what happens during these times, folks. You know, uh, real life seeps in. So, um, what happens? And this has been God fought for years. Ask up BMI, try to get it settled again. It has to do with what is known as a compulsory license, it's a copyright term, compulsory license, and this is what happens. If a song, let's say you wanna do a cover song, a publisher cannot turn you down if you wanna use your song. Once it's first released, the publisher has the choice of who releases it first, but once it's first released, anybody could do the song. And they can't turn you down as and, and long as, and voice has come up with me lately with different people, as long as you don't change the words or the melody. Now, what is it, Al Yankovic, it took him a year to get an okay to do, eat it uh, from Michael Jackson's beat it, you know, kind of a thing. And you're not supposed to change it, but what it is, is the publishing companies, and ask ASCAP and BMI want to be able to charge you extra if they, you know, you're going to use this song for this or that or whatever, and this consent degree and all this stuff, I'm not the legal terminology and stuff, is making it, you know, that as cappa BMI just has to use regular, you know, things. They can't uh, charge extra, they want to be able to charge extra and stuff. And part of the problem is ASCAP and BMI are at a little disadvantage because of CSAC, another performing rights organization, was formed afterwards, and it didn't come under this law. It was like an anti-monopoly law Well, you can't do it. you know, I'm not going to get into all the legal stuff. But CSAC can actually, uh, you know, issue licensing. See, ASCAP and BMI do not issue licenses. You know, for uh, if your music could be in video uh, or you know video film commercials, uh, you know what am I? Uh, video games, which is very big right now, and stuff like that. Now, what happens is, let's say you want to do a cover song; it's already been out. You want to do a cover song. You just have to notify the publisher. You do have to notify them. And I've had, oh, God, I run into situations where publishers were holding back or giving the thing out. I said, hey, just record it. You you send it in that you want to do it. They can't turn you down, you know, as long as you don't change the words or the music drastically, you know, stuff
1: like that. That's great to know for people that are looking to take older songs that have already been released that are super popular and cover them themselves and either have somebody produce something behind it or just even just use just like the, the main parts of the song and use play it on the instrument.
0: Yeah, what, what I've uh, seen mostly is that if you send it, the publisher, I mean, wants other people to do it normally. I ran into this situation in Nashville where the uh, publisher did not want somebody else to do it because they also owned the singer who had the original and they, didn't want to hear this other, any other versions competing with the original at that time and place kind of a thing. Mm, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's a kind of weird thing. Business uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, Nashville is, I'm sorry, folks. It, uh, and I've been, I've said it before, so I don't mind saying it. I think Nashville is the scam capital of the world in music. I've run into more problems dealing with Nashville, and oh, what's really hilarious is, oh, this is funny, when you want to do a cover song of Nashville, like one of the songs had, one of the writer publishers was with ASCAP, this is all one song was with ASCAP, another was with BMI, and another was CSAC, and they made it that there was no one administrative publisher, the administrative publisher Usually handles it for everybody. You know, I usually make it so with my clients that I make them the administrative publisher. So if they're co publishing with another publisher, they still have final say and stuff. But what has happened is these artists were having to get permission from the ASCAP writer and the BMI writer and, you know, and the CSAC writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, what a mess. Yeah, oh I mean, my God
1: everybody knows from personal experience, just like when you argue with somebody and you have that type of situation where you're trying to resolve it and you have to go talk to this person to find out the truth about this and go there. It's like it's like whispering trying to follow back the whisper down the lane. And I mean it's <laughs> not always it's not always easy, you know what I mean? Unless well, the whisper you're persistent. down
0: the ra- uh, rain, yeah. Whisper down the lane thing comes up with different things is yeah, I'm not gonna get the whole thing. But yeah, it's nothing like uh that's why you wanna like if somebody comes to me for one of my songs, they don't have to worry about dealing with anybody. I'm the administrative publisher with my co-writers, and you know, it's fine, I give them, I am I believe in, I'm one of those people that believe in, look, you can't say which words or music are worth more, and usually I write with the same writer, so sometimes they'll write a little more, sometimes I'll write a little more, I just make it 50-50 and that's the thing. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah, we can get into a whole mess of things like that, but I'd like to cover uh, a few more subjects. Um, One of the biggest things still going on is that vinyl is really selling really well. And uh, matter of fact, it's out doing CD sales. Well, you know.
1: (laughs) Which makes sense. I mean, CDs were only popular for a short amount of time, so it makes sense.
0: Yeah, the problem with vinyl, there's several problems right now. And the problem is there's not enough factories to make it. It takes like eight weeks at a lot of times or more to get your vinyl pressings back. And by the way, you wonder about vinyl? I'll tell you some hilarious things. First of all, uh, that I think 47% of the people that buy vinyl are under the age of 25. Which most people wouldn't think of. They say, oh, yeah, the older people, you know, the baby boomers and stuff, they're the ones that buy the vinyl. No, the kids are buying the vinyl. The funny one was Billie Eilish, who her audience is tweens and teens. In her first week release of a vinyl album, it sold 77,000 vinyl albums. Now you're wondering.
1: God bless her. (laughs)
0: And the the weird part is, and artists have to learn this. The weird part is, see, the great thing about vinyl is the artwork as much as anything. These kids are buying the vinyl, and they put the artwork up on the walls. And I'm sure they get their parents, to, if they don't have a record player, (laughs) to get a record player. But seriously, artists should definitely think about going vinyl for many reasons. One. You can charge more. I mean, I see it normally around 30 bucks. But you could put a lot more into it. You got a package. Of, you know, Vital Album's got a package. You could put in promo pieces. You could put in more artwork. You could put in this. You could put in that in the package. So it's really a, 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 an amazing thing for, for that kind of thing. So it allows you to charge more. And the great thing is, It's not like a digital thing like a CD or a, you know, streaming or anything like that, because you can't just put it on the internet. If you do, you know, you're making a copy from vinyl, you know. Now I actually have a machine, I don't use it for that, that has, believe it or not, a combination of a record player, a cassette player and a cd player and you can go to uh you know make copies on cds okay mm. supposedly i never even tried it you know Wow. but <clears throat> there's a lot of advantages of vinyl also one of the things and boy this is a big war that goes on is the uh i need a drink yeah
1: i Take a second. I'll say on the side note, I mean, vinyl is incredible because it's like a, something physical you can hold. And one cool thing people don't know about vinyl is that it degrades over time. So the more you play it, the, the, le- the lessen the sound quality goes.
0: And by the way, uh, you it reminds me of an important topic is that, you know, like I have this thing. If an engineer really knows how to mix, they don't need mastering. You know, I work with engineers that, you know, the mastering and engineering, the, uh, yeah, the mixing and mastering is done the same step, but to do vinyl, it's got to be done differently. There's different configurations. I'm not a technical person. I don't know how it exists.
1: I could speak on it for one second. The reason, the one thing I do know about vinyl is that you can't have that much bass. So if you go back and listen to all major, uh, all the major records that came back out on vinyl, uh, the needle is playing on the record and that's how the, it, it reads the grooves and it plays sonically through the speaker. But when you have too much bass, it'll, the waveforms, they move so slow that it'll knock the needle right <laughs> off the record. So they always, they had to do a totally different mix to be able to get it to play right on vinyl.
0: Well, that was one thing I liked when, uh, excuse me, one of the major things I liked, believe it or not, of the disco era, they finally started showing the bass, but it was starting to get, they were able to handle it better and stuff like that. In the old days, when I did my first album, God, it was late 60s, the master was a thing called acetate. It was like three-eighths of an inch thick, you know, something like that. And it wears out after a hundred plays. Yeah, the mixing's different. You gotta almost mix it hotter because when you go from analog to analog to analog kind of things, you're losing frequencies. So they have to push it a little higher so you don't lose it all. Excuse me. Um, The other thing, what this comes into also is analog versus digital. And you'll find fights on that all the time. I admit that digital is much easier to work with. You can cut and paste and things like yeah. that. I remember working in a studio with tape, and you know you it, you you can't speed up or slow down tape because it uh, changes it lower <laughs> you know it sounds like with, with the real high if you speed it up. so when you were we were doing things that had to be at exact time, you would be cutting little slivers of tape and having to splice it together. And oh man, they had these little tiny slivers. Oh, we gotta, you know, for commercials and stuff, we have to put this, it's gotta come out exactly <coughs> to 28 seconds or 29, I remember it's been a wow, while, stuff like that. But what comes up a lot, <coughs> excuse me, is this, I'm not used to the, this time of day, it sounds funny. <laughs> but the sound quality. The great thing I liked, one of the great things I liked about analog, is you could actually hit it really hot. Mm-hmm. Digital, if you <laughs> go too high, it's the most horrible sounding sound. It's,
1: di- it's actual digital distortion is actually oh destructive God. to the sound that it's bringing in. So if it's you're coming destructive in,
0: destructive to your ears.
1: Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we should put a we should put a caution up here on the right. You may lose your hearing. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can tell you stories about that, were something, uh, we won't go into that right now. Mm-hmm. But the analog, see the sound, the thing I like about analog, mm-hmm. and by the way, a lot of smart producers do this, they make sure it hits analog somewhere along the recording process. There are analog, sometimes they'll go to an analog board, or the tube amps, things like that, certain things where you can get that fuller sound. Because analog is a much, fuller sound that captures more overtones. Uh, The best example of that that I could actually give in talking that I can't write and explain is digital is like, analog is, it's a fuller, you know, it's a warmer fuller. I kind of equate it as digital, which is a colder sound, a thinner sound, to analog, which is a warmer sound. To video, which is a colder picture to film, which is warmer they're now they're making strides in film, especially and and analog they still can't get that full overtones if if anyone knows music knows about overtones, mm-hmm. kind of a fuller sound, so yeah, I mean, but people you know think about vinyl because you know just realize it takes time to manufacture uh they built they were building another plant in nashville on it i i think they're trying to put them up again and you brought up a very important point face face you can hold it in your hands that's why japan held off so long from stopping cds cds still sell in japan they want to feel something physical yeah. in their hand
1: that was always yeah. my favorite part uh going to like back in the day when we had circuit city and comp usa and these types of places like were some of my favorite I my dad but going there as a kid and being like yo dad like i want that cd and like him giving me zeppelin 2 on cd like that was like that was like my holy grail when i was a kid
0: yeah but one thing i ran into a problem with that thin thickness warmth and stuff i i there was some old albums that were out and stuff so I got the CD version I couldn't listen to them they're very compared with the old warm full sound it was very thin and yeah, tiny yeah, it's, it lost it's super something.
1: it's super high fidelity but at the same time it's kind of it, it loses that that feeling like you're saying because it's not going through the the, the the like the mechanical part of the tape like it has to run through the tape through all the circuitry and all this stuff and by the time it gets to the tape tape has its own sound. So it really just fattens things up. It's almost like the best way I could describe it visually for people is that like when you need bread and you're making about like, you're trying to make like a cake or something, or you're trying to make a, like a, you know what I mean? Like a roll of bread. When it's sitting there and it's flat, that's like digital. But when it's, like, it, the yeast kicks in and, and it, and it, it, like, it it rises, the dough rises, that is, like, what it's, like, going into analog, like, and going into tape. Like, if you were to put a kick drum into a tape machine, instead of it being, like, it would be, like, yep. like more full, like, and that's uh, – you can emulate that many different ways uh, for technical people. Look up an EQP1A Pultec EQ – that's really good to use on kick drums, but it's a side note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I used to do, now I had the second MIDI studio in Philadelphia. Now, MIDI is Multiple Instrument Digital Interface, where I had, a, it was a combination, I had an, what was known as an emulator 2, was one of the first big workstations. And it was a computer, you know, it was a sound sampler, that was midi with, Three different. I used three different synthesizers. I had two DX7s and what was known as an Oberheim Expander, which was an analog synth. And what you could do is I would use the real bass, like a Fender bass, on the uh, digital instrument, but I mix it. Sometimes I like a. a Thicker, sometimes distorted bass for certain things, and I would put it, midi it through, and got those little kind of distortion type sounds that I liked from the DX seven or this or analog or whatever, and uh, it was all cool. But my point of bringing this up is, and you put up the bass drum is exactly the point. Uh, and by the way, then I went to tape from there. What I did was I went to a the multi track tape, and then down to a mix tape. And he's sometimes down to a cassette, you know, to give it out or whatever like that. But what I used to do is, if say I wanted some new instruments, and it, Emulator 2 was a sampler, what I used to do is I would listen to people's drum machines, and I'd find a bass drum that was, uh, you know, as close as I can get it, but I like a thick, I like to feel drums. What I would right. do, Instead of putting it from the drum machine into the emulator, I would go drum machine into a cassette player and then put it onto it. So instead of the bass drum being, you know, it was, you know, it was much thicker sound. And then the emulator allowed you to cut, you know, the fronts and the backs so you had a clear bass drum and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of tricks you you find out and stuff. It's just... uh, you know, and said, boy, this drum machine thing well, it was the early days of the drum machine, too, okay, folks. Yeah. But they were just thin, the sounds. And I like to, I want to be, I'm a rocker. I want to be blown back, you know? Yeah, kind of.
1: Same here. Same here. Uh, drums are super, super important for me. The way that they hit and um, the way oh, that yeah. they come into the mix, I mean, they have to be, like, one of the loudest things next to the main vocal for me in the mix. And, that's how a lot of the pop records are nowadays uh you can go listen to anything on the on the billboard top 100 or spotify number one or whatever and you can listen And if you just go and hear the drums and just go from like a critical perspective listening it's going blow your mind away how they can get things so loud but so clear at the same time
0: oh yeah and uh i I'm, like i said i remember in the early days because i mean i've been in the music industry since the late 60s and uh on the recordings, the bass drum and the bass, they weren't out there much. You know, you, you couldn't really hear them much. Sometimes I had a really strain to find the bass drum. I know it was in the recording yeah. and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's it, it, the, the the reason that they really did that, from my experience and stuff, all my teachers that taught me, it was really based on the vinyl. Like, that was the medium that was played back then. So if they that, had a loud kick drum and, and vinyl, they wouldn't be able to just do what we're doing nowadays or like what's happening in hip hop. Like the 808 would literally, <laughs> you can hear, you can hear somebody driving down the street and playing a, a song nowadays from like two miles away because oh, yeah. the, the, the slow frequencies, they travel so far because they're slower, you know, it's like, and, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, you wouldn't be able to do that back in the day. So we've been, we've come so far in a hundred years and civilization has come to, in, in a hole almost. <laughs> I mean
0: well, you, you brought up an interesting thing, point, too, with the, the bass. And bass drum kind of a thing. It's a, it's, see, it's, a, it's an eight-foot wave, you know, or longer. It's, bass travels. You know, you need a fuller sound. That's why if you're real close to the stage, a lot of time with the speakers, you'll hear more of the high end, in the back, you'll hear more of the bass end because of the waves and stuff. Also, people, when they hear sounds coming from another house or apartment next to them, you'll notice it's usually the base and stuff because it has to fight, it goes through the walls to hear it. That's what you'll hear the yeah. first, you know, yeah. in thin walled kind of houses. I was lucky. My house, what you see here, I lived here for uh, 37 years, believe it or not. It's one of the older houses and I loved it. I could have a studio here and I record in the middle of the night. I could blast. Nobody heard anything because the walls were 18 inches thick in these old houses. And uh it, you know, you didn't have that same kind of problem.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. So I mean for people this is just also a side note, like the lower the frequencies, the 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 farther they travel because the slower that they move. Correct. The higher the higher frequencies, the quicker that they travel and dissipate. And that's why you don't hear a main vocal uh from somebody's car when they're driving down the street. You hear the bass and the kick drum and all that stuff. So that explains some signs for you guys that didn't know that.
0: <laughs> no, hey, it's good to learn. You know, I, like I've been like in the industry full time for fifty years, and I'm still learning stuff. Well, there's always something new happening. But here's something that's—I'm uh, going to jump subjects here, and uh, this has been coming up so much recently, and it's been there since the beginning of time. It's dealing with people, people dealing with people, kinds of situations. And I just want to state this very importantly to people of bands, especially when you're working with a project where there's multiple people and stuff. If this, I make this a rule when I work with anybody. If something bothers you about anything, speak about it right away. You'll see some people that'll just hold things in and something's bothering them. And the problem is we're creative people. So we could create these monster mountains. You're, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the saying? Yeah, don't make uh, uh, mountains out of molehills. <laughs> I think that's the old antique term for it and stuff. But boy, I see this so much and they hold it in. My thing is to get things out in the open Right away, if you have a problem with me or something I'm doing or work or we're working together on a project, if you have a problem with one of your people you're working with, bring it out into the open immediately before it grows into something. I've seen where it happens where weeks later, people are really upset and they forgot even what they're originally upset about, you know? Yeah, it's funny. It just, it's a bunch of, you know, it's negative stuff. And you just yeah. got to solve the problem. Sometimes it's an easy thing. It might have been a misunderstanding about something like that. And then, uh, oh boy. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of things that I'm allowed to talk about. And stuff. Yeah, well,
1: the, yeah, one thing I, the one thing I can say about what you were just talking about is um, two things. One is that when you, like, I'm one of those type of people that used to when I was growing up. Bottle everything up and that type of stuff, but and i'm I'm able to deal with it differently than other people, so um that's that. but aside from that, when you bottle things up, the, there's two points here that I'm going to make. The first point is when you bottle things up eventually it it overcomes you and becomes larger than you. And you you almost explode in that, in that way and you start yelling at somebody. And the other thing, which leads me to my second point, is there is a right and wrong way to say something, right? So, like, say I have a, I have a problem with pooch, right? I'm not going to go there and be like, pooch, I can't believe you did this, blah, 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 blah. I hate you, blah, blah, and start throwing all these negative words and start cursing and all that stuff there's that's that's the wrong way especially when you're dealing with creative people some people aren't really outspoken like that so they really get like they become very reserved and they just keep they like kind of like they're shy and they tuck away in themselves and there's different personalities but in the end the right way to really approach it is never to really make somebody upset it's just it's more about like saying it casually like, "Hey, man and do you ever think about it like this? Or did you ever think about trying this like this? I think it would be really cool. Instead of being like, you got to do this. There's no other way, my way or the highway.
0: My my thing is that, yeah, you're perf- perfectly right on a couple of things I agree with. Uh, yeah, there's a thing. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And, you know, like I say, you know, constructive criticism is fine. Destructive criticism, you know, forget it. It just ain't cool. Uh, you know, you could say the same thing. I, I, I was guilty of it when I was young too. But by the way, another important point is you were talking about, you know, holding it in. It's really bad for your health. That's a way to get a heart attack. You gotta let it out, but just be careful how you say things you know, you're not out to destroy people. You're out to solve a problem. <laughs> okay. You might not like something I did or whatever, but just say, look, Cooch, you did this and this bothers me. Now, now we can have a constructive conversation kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Very important. Very, very
1: important for successful relationships and long-term relationships is being able to work things out and people will respect you for speaking your mind, but if you walk in the room and somebody asks you how the song is, or how they is a girl asks you how they look in the dress, and then you're completely brutally honest and you make <laughs> them feel like crap, then you did the wrong thing there. So just make sure that you know that.
0: Oh, what's the, uh, what's that one thing where the, you know, like uh, it comes up in cartoons, even stuff, but you know, a woman says, Do I look fat to you? There's no way to win that argument. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not. Yeah. No, you you look fine. <laughs> yeah, you look per
1: you look perfect for me. You're exactly the way I like you.
0: That's,
1: <laughs> usually, that's usually my response.
0: <laughs> oh boy, yeah, uh, yeah. But people, you know, getting along with people, you have to learn to just, you know, state what's in your mind. Like I was pretty bad at it when I was young too. I was known for the awful truth. It's just as I got older, I learned tact. And um, but you put it right. Uh, I forget how you said it, but. Like if I, I don't want to say to somebody, then give me a song, because I have to listen to a lot of fights the songs I'm not going to say, "This song sucks." You know you know what's that? first of all, it's not helpful to the person. What I usually look for is something good within it, of course, Oh, I like the direction you're heading, uh this and that, but you know, why don't you work a little more on this other thing like that? Uh, oh, by the way, this uh, this comes up a lot, um, and that is a lot of times if the vocalist is involved with producing, and the problem is in a studio, and I'm sure basically you run into it too, in a studio, <clears throat> excuse me, the artist and the engineer have heard the song so many times that they hear the words even when they don't hear them. And what I mean by that is, they'll mix the voice too low in the mix. Now low can mean a bunch of things, we'll get into that. But too low in the mix, you know, I'm listening in, and if I have to strain to hear the words, I feel like it doesn't doesn't matter that you can't hear it. Hey, if you wanted TV or film or video games, they want the words to match a script, it's really important. And by the way, you can if, if good engineers know how to do this, you could put the voice in a pocket where that the voice is really low in volume and the instruments are plastic, but you can hear the voice clearly. You know, you know it's yeah. where you put it there's panning, there's depth. That's why a lot of musicians. Yeah, they get they can during these times. Uh, by the way, uh, instrument sales have skyrocketed during this, so uh, instruments are you know really selling really well. But what's happening is a lot of people get this recording equipment. It's rather inexpensive nowadays, and they'll mix the. Uh, it just gets into all kinds of problems with the. And I'm try, I try not to lose my train of thought. But uh, the, the engineers nowadays, or they, well, they don't realize they're engineering. They're recording stuff and stuff. A lot of the, my thing is, yeah, really make sure you record if you're doing regular instruments clearly and your sound is clean and stuff. But until you really learn how to mix, that is blend the instruments together, give it to somebody that really knows how to mix. You know, yeah. record the stuff that'll save you, <clears throat> excuse me, that'll save you money and stuff like that. And, uh, but, but give it to somebody that's had a mix and understands depth and stuff. I get too many recordings, everything's up front. And, you know, I love the engineers that say, well, we'll fix it mastering. No if they can't reach in and reach these instruments, they can't do anything with it except just raise levels and stuff like
1: that. Yeah, and that's actually an interesting point too because um, higher, like being a recordist, somebody that records sound is also an art within itself. So if you're looking for something like when you have a whole band and that type of stuff, like, well, you'll find with the more uh, veteran engineers and recordists and uh, majority almost all of which are both they both record and they mix. So there's some people that just strictly mix but when it comes to the recording I've seen in my own personal experience a lot of them they're recording to the final record they are their whole goal from the beginning where they're setting up microphones and all the stuff they may have 30 40 microphones on a drum kit and you're thinking what what is going on right <laughs> and the thing is is they're they're envisioning the final final version of what that would be and they're getting that in the beginning but the only way you'll be able to know that and learn that is from experience and, or being able to work with somebody that's highly accredited that you can see be like wow I've seen people take a speaker right there's one engineer uh, I don't I don't know if you should be mentioning names but one engineer takes a few speakers, right, and he—if he, you talk into a speaker or like what I used to do when I was in a party and I didn't have a microphone, I would plug my my headphone into the microphone jack and talk into the microphone, or into the into the uh, the one of the ears of the headphones, and it, it it works as a microphone. So I saw an engineer take a speaker and use it in the reverse way instead of. Br- putting music out it was taking music in and he was using it as like the low part of his drum kit in in his mix which was uh, absolutely fascinating to me that something so simple like that reversing the the way that oh it, yeah
0: the- and you learn that by accident sometimes you know it's one of those mm-hmm. things that happen by accident like you did but just it. hey you found the way to do it one more quick thing to bring up but i think we're probably running pretty high on time here is that <clears throat> One of the problems with the voice nowadays, a lot of times, some people want to have so much reverb on their voice that it makes it unintelligible. Here's the problem with it. It might sound really cool, but if a person has to strain and listen to understand something because, you know, uh, understand something, they're taken out of the mood of the song and you're losing them so people need to know how to use reverb and people don't understand you can eq reverb okay there's all kinds of things you could do and there's ways of putting a delay before the reverb actually comes in a split second Mm -hmm. so you can understand the voice yes you know and it's not just the voice is too low sometimes sometimes it's just not in that pocket you know in a place where it's not messing with the other frequencies and stuff like that but But sometimes it's the wrong reverb, sometimes it's the wrong microphone. (laughs) You know, I I used to know, uh, like different engineers will say, just sing to me without the microphone, and they'll listen to the person's voice, they'll know what microphone to use on that particular person.
1: That's somebody that knows what they're doing. And (laughs) that's very super important because I mean, you i mean you can EQ a um you can EQ a reverb you can compress the reverb you can put delays into different types of reverbs to create different depth like i mean when when you walk into a church and you say yo and you hear all the echo it's a it's a combination of reverb early late reflections and some of delay because of how far the, the 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 wall is all the way in the back and where you are listening wise and all that technical stuff but um you can get uh, like if you listen to all the major records that are coming out now, you will notice the reason that they're so uh, the, the, that they become such a high selling records is because people can understand them, they can relate to them because they can hear everything. But if you're just drowning your stuff in reverb and like butch is saying you can't understand it, then you're defeating the purpose unless you just don't want to be known and you you want you want to be making music strictly for yourself. But if you want people to be able to, to get into your world and understand who you are musically and be able to become a fan or even a super fan, they have to be able to hear it off the bat and not have to strain to hear it. Yeah, you strain
0: them, you take take the person out of the mood of the song and then they can't feel it and stuff.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I'm believe it or not, I'm one of those people that really can't, for some strange reason, one way or another, I can't really sometimes uh, tell what is being said in the song until I hear it five times. And then I finally get the whole picture and I'm like, ah. But right off the bat, when I first listened, lyrics have always been something that's been hard for me to like really, to be able to just write in my mind from beginning to end.
0: Well, yeah, and sometimes to some people, you know, like in certain kinds of music, the the words don't mean anything. It's the groove, it's the the feel, it's whatever and stuff. But if you want it in TV and films, listen to the songs they use on TV shows. There may be very light instruments and in the voices out there. That's why they do, God, I know some people do 20 different types of mixes. There might be the single mix, the album mix, the TV show mix. I mean, a lot of big things for TV and film, they want it to end dead. And a lot of the old songs used to just fade it down, da, 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 you know, to quiet. You can't do that with film. They want to be able to let them cut it where they want to cut it for TV and film. So you have different kinds of things. And that, yeah, Something this is to stuff about. you learn.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the as you see, like I'm still in New York and the reason I'm here is because I'm living life in the music business and you are learning from two people that have lived it every single day pooch has been living this for many many years and i'm very fortunate to have met him be able to sit here down with you guys and and really teach and 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 provide guidance and education to something that we were both so passionate about and uh, again thank you for guys for listening and sharing subscribing i mean we are already up to 27 uh, about i think this is going to be uh yeah we already have 27 episodes released which is amazing so Keep going back and listening and, and make it your religion, because at the end of the day, if you want to become successful, you have to know every nook and cranny. And it may not be that you want to be focusing on the the, um, the music entertainment law or any of that type of stuff. But it's good to know little tidbits of it here and there so that you become well-rounded enough to be able to, you know what I mean, almost represent yeah, yourself.
0: Yeah. By, by- I tell people, you, you, it's like with my books and, and same with the, 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 the uh, shows, listen to them all because sometimes you get it from the whole picture and then all of a sudden it'll click. The more you hear where we're, you know, the creative ways of working with business and, and stuff like that, you know, be just as creative on the business end as you are on the artistic end. And uh, I guess we're, we've reached that time, I presume. So I'm just going to say, uh, thank you. Uh, please check out all the episodes. Uh, uh, look up life in the music business with professor Pooch. It, it, believe me, it shows up in your search engines and stuff. We're everywhere. And it's in video on YouTube and it's going to be, uh, on Facebook also video. Uh, so, uh, tune in for the next episode take care folks all right bye everyone thanks for watching tune in for the next episode